I can't believe we forgot to record all the good soup talk. <laughs> See, the thing is, I had soup actually last, not yesterday, Saturday, but the one before that, because my friends and I had soup night, which oh, was that great. Sounds rad. There were seven of us, and every household brought a different kind of soup. So I had my hearty autumn vegetable soup, and my friends made chicken tortilla soup, and Italian, uh, I think it's kind of like Italian wedding soup with like sausage and kale and beans and stuff, and someone made like a peanut curry soup, and I think there was also a beef-based soup too. And then we all got to, we all brought like a Tupperware container, so we all got to take home leftovers. It was great. That sounds awesome. Highly recommend. We're planning on doing, God willing, if the creek don't rise, we're doing chili night for February. My friends and I did something like that, but we did a sweets night in December where we all mm -hmm. did baking. That sounds good too. That was right before everyone, everything went mental. Yes. Before everything imploded again in the, in the continual series of implosions. We could probably match another in-person get-together because our city is, like, it's not doing well, but it's doing better comparatively to other places. Like, not, mm -hmm. no, no tea, no shade, but we are in Canada, which is moderately better at handling things. And also, we're in Saskatchewan, which is giving out free COVID tests. I just found out the other day that the other provinces are charging, like, upwards of $60 per box Damn. of rapid tests. Yeah. <laughs> in the U.S., we only got we only got news that we were going to be getting or at least eligible to get free COVID tests. Like, I heard about it last week and it went into effect on Saturday. Yeah. And I don't know what, I don't know what separate testing might be. Not to beat a dead horse, but you know, we wouldn't have to worry so much about rapid tests if we didn't keep putting people in situations where they would have to test themselves often. Mm -hmm. We wouldn't have to worry about giving out free tests if there would have actually just been a requirement. Like, it just actually been like an actual requirement punishment punished by law to... If you did, if you don't get the vaccine, you're gonna go to jail or pay fines or something. And also, hey, we shouldn't all be working in person, as or people who can or work going remotely to should be able to work remotely. Uh, the long and short of it is that nothing's gonna change with these people in power. And the best way to change the uh -huh. system is to burn down very specific buildings. That being said, hey, do you want to count before this turns into yeah. a different podcast? <laughs> Let's dig ourselves out of the out of the depressing state of the of the world in which we live and talk about the depressing state of glee instead. Yeah, let's not spiral. That's for tomorrow night. I put it on my schedule. Just go ahead and grab a chair and listen now. As we riff the show, Tanner and Christine are gonna figure out why we love this show. Better grab your golden stars and slushies, cause you're listening, you're listening to Loser Like Me. Loser Like Me. Everybody and welcome to Loser Like Me. This is a Glee recap and review and revisiting. I don't know podcast. My name is Christina, and was this what you wore the first time you tried the new coffee machine in the teacher's lounge? My name's Tanner, and no, this is what I was wearing the first time I met you. <laughs> I have. I mean, I always have notes on the episode. But I have. I have notes. I have capital N notes. About this episode, I have- there were things that worked, and there were things that decidedly did not, that colored the entire episode. 
Not just because it's an episode of Glee, but also things that happened within the episode itself. <laughs> I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. I know I'm not going to get a choice to hear your thoughts or not, but I'm interested <laughs> in hearing about them. Look, this is a podcast about our opinions. It's an opinions cast. Eh, that kind of works. So for today, we're watching, uh, or we're going to be talking about Funeral, uh, which aired on May 17th of 2011. Uh, it was written by Ryan Murphy, surprisingly, and directed by Bradley Buecher. I think we've pronounced that name a different time every time he showed up. Oh yeah, because he was on original song. And come Bradley back. Buecher, Bradley Buecher, Bradley Beaker. And never been kissed. Beaker's bonkles. <laughs> oh, bonkles. I love bonkles. And you know, Beaker's Bonkles did a great job directing this episode, I'm sure, with what he was given. And no, it wasn't, it, it wasn't, okay, I'm trying to say it wasn't poorly written, but I feel like it was poorly written, but in a different way than things are usually poorly written. Clumsily written? Yes, clumsily written. Yeah, it wasn't bad, it was just ill put together. Mm-hmm. And you know what, I actually, I'm, I'm now remembering, like, after this season ended, there was a lot of stuff coming out about how... The higher-ups at Fox were pretty disappointed with the reception of the last two episodes of, like, the tail end of the season. On yeah. kind of things felt that they were really put together, and then people found out that, oh, they were doing rewrites the day of. And, like, I'm sure that's... I'm sure that happens on many shows, that there are rewrites the day of. But I'm talking, like, here are three new pages of the script that we just wrote. Either because we didn't have them before, or because we have changed things entirely. And I definitely I... get the sense... That this is a Frankenstein of two, maybe even three episodes that they cobbled together, like held together with a dash of, oh, there were arcs in this season that we forgot to resolve. I definitely can see that. I had no idea they were doing like day of rewrites on this episode. I think it was worse in the next episode. Like that's the one they were talking about, but I wouldn't be shocked if it happened here as well. Yeah, I'm curious if that's what's going to happen with um, with a line that ended the episode. (laughs) Oh, oh man. Oh, that had the fandom wilding for a full week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I believe it. I believe it. But we should actually probably talk about this episode. Yes. B- before we get too ahead of ourselves. <laughs> so we start pretty much right off the bat where we left off last time. Uh, except mm-hmm. to, don't talk about prom. No, nothing nothing happened last week matters except for the fact that Jesse is back and he clearly is still into Rachel. And he has yeah. also been hired by Mr. Shu as the new Glee Club consultant. Yep. He declares that they should still do original songs like they did at regionals, uh, but mm-hmm. they should do it in the style of Oakland Adrenaline, which is identify the best performer and then build the entire performance around them, which is something that New Directions never does, except for all the times that they do do that. Yeah, it's... <sighs> I can understand the perspective of, like, base your entire performance around your best performer. Because it's like, I'm trying to think of a comparison here. And I don't think, I can't pull like a real life comparison. So it's like. It's like in Pokemon. Yeah, some Pokemon yeah, yeah. are gonna like get stronger faster. And so even though you might want to like move people around more often. The fact of the matter is when you're at your wits end facing mm-hmm. Cynthia and her melodic. It doesn't matter <laughs> if your favorite Pokemon is Monferno. It's gonna get one shot. You have to bring out that Luxray or you're gonna lose. I feel like you're speaking from experience here, Tanner. Years and years ago, I had I had a different <laughs> strategy for Shining Pearl. See, the analogy that I was going to draw was, it's like how you played Pokemon for the first time when you were growing up, which in my case meant that I had a level 63 for Alligator, and everyone else on my team in Pokemon Gold was like level 20 to 30. <laughs> 
and how I build my team now, which is like, hey, I've got a well-rounded group of Pokemon, which has type coverage, and they're all about the same level, and they've all got Pokeroos now, which is great. But it's like <laughs> the difference, it's the difference between, like, you're highlighting one one person, one performer, one Pokemon to the detriment of all of the others, or if you're building a well-rounded group. So what we're trying sense. to say is Griffin McElroy voice, the same Blastoise! <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. And to, to bring it back to Glee, um, I want to mention that everyone except for Rachel and Will in this Glee club is, is sus of Jesse. Jesse is sus. Yeah. Rachel is not sus because she is still in love with him, and Will is not uh, sus because he's an it's... idiot bastard pansy man. I I feel like with Rachel, it's maybe less that she's still in love with him, and more that he is, like, deliberately promoting her ego. That he's, like, saying, like, and, and giving her lots of affirmation, like, yes, Rachel, you're the star. You're gonna be the star. And she's like, I would love to be a star. And everyone else is like, what about us? Can we be stars too? And he's like, no! He's not gaslighting her because he's not no. lying. But I, he's girl bossing her. <laughs> yeah. And in and among the people who want to... <laughs> there's there's a crowd among shot. Among us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Amongst the crowd of glee clovers, Tina is dressed like a pilgrim and Lauren wants to fist fight Jesse St. James then and there. And I agree with her. Yeah. Because, like, when he's like, oh, the vocal adrenaline strategy is build the show around your best performer, and Finn is like, but we should do, if we should probably do a duet. I mean, like, Rachel and I had that duet that was good last year, and Quinn is like, yeah, but we lost last year. And then Jesse is like, and Finn, also, you're not a very good dancer or a singer. And Mike, you can't even sing, and I want to fist fight on behalf of Mike Chang. <laughs> well, no, what what he says is, Finn, you sing and dance like a zombie who has to poop, and Mike Chang, who can sing, still does better than you. Yeah. Poor Finnity. And then Will is like, Jesse, can you be nice? And Jesse's like, absolutely not. We must gain the will to kill. Because <sighs> this is- and Will, Will is an absolute fucking pushover this episode because he's like, oh, yes. I've never been to nationals, I guess we do have to mean. Even though Will has been to nationals as a child, and he's supposed mm -hmm. to be teaching with the lessons he learned from Mrs. Taberdashery or whatever the fuck her name was, I don't know, she's never appeared in person. And Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Will, did you forget that Glee is about opening yourself up to joy, not opening yourself up to the University of Los Angeles that's in Los Angeles? <laughs> You're not wrong. Anyways, remember when she made a Legion of Doom and then forgot that she made a Legion of Doom? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, she's brought in Terry, and Terry has brought in Howard. And Sue refers to Howard as Panda Express, and it's racist, and we don't have to get into that, obviously. Although, also, she says, okay, okay, actually, I will get into it, because Howard says, I'm not Asian, yeah. and Sue says, neither is the food of Panda Express, which is actually wrong. Panda Express is actually a Chinese-owned business. Yep. Anyways. Anyway, <laughs> she's assembled <laughs> the remnants of her League of Doom to disrupt New Direction's travel plans, because apparently they they get to fly to New York City, and she asked Terry to bring in someone to hack into Ficken's email and reroute their plane tickets to I'm in. Kim, to Tripoli in Libya. <laughs> because apparently she wanted the Glee kids to be either murdered or kidnapped and murdered. Yeah, and Terry's like, oh wow, someone really woke up on the wrong side of the bed. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, which we're, we're about to find out why. Before we do, I want to talk about some funny stuff. <laughs> there was funny stuff in this scene? F- funny stuff out of context. <laughs> okay. So the first thing first is they needed a hacker because they had to get into Figgins' email because he was the one who ordered their plane tickets. His email is shown to be getting figgy with it at AOL.com. <laughs> and apparently, if you emailed this address when the show was on the air, you would get an auto-reply with, Greetings, students and well-wishers. I will be out of the office until Friday, attending a seminar on mail enhancement at the Bob Jones University. Until then, I will not be checking emails, because I do not understand how computers seem to be alive but aren't. Sincerely, Principal Figgins, McKinley High School, where wings take a dream. (laughs) That is actually very good. And the other note is that on the Glee wiki, they were like, it's weird that the Glee kids had to get a layover in Chicago because Chicago is further away from New York City than Lima, Ohio. And I'm like, but you don't understand the way that air traffic works. (laughs) You don't understand there's probably not a direct flight to New York City from, let's say, the Cincinnati airport. Yeah, like, that's that's what I'm thinking. They probably have to do a commute to the airport and then fly out of there. Yeah, it's like either you drive to Chicago and catch the flight out of O'Hare, or it's cheaper to do a layover in Chicago to New York City. Yeah, like, layovers in general are significantly cheaper. Mm-hmm. Like, even like when Lindsay lived in... Where did she live? Ottawa. <laughs> yes, when the, Lindsay lived in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Me and Ryan went to visit her. And we flew Regina to Toronto, and then just to mm-hmm. basically took a puddle jumper from Toronto to Ottawa. It was like a 45-minute flight. But doing that yep. instead of going directly to Ottawa saved us like $150 each. Yeah. And like, sometimes you have to have a layover. Because like, when the last two times that I have flown, both times I had to get I had to have a layover for at least like three or four hours because the place that I was flying to was small enough that they only had, like, inbound flights, like, maybe three times a day. And I had to wait until one of those flights was heading in. So, like, I guess in that case, it it would be more like an outbound flight. But, like, it's not as weird as the Glee Wiki people think that it is. (laughs) Maybe it's written by someone who's never booked their own airplane ticket before. (laughs) Maybe. Anyways, this has been uh, Air Traffic Minute. (laughs) (laughs) Also, Figgins' email password is 1234. Yes. I thought it was going to be password. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> and now we get into the drama. Yeah. So Becky and Becky's mom show up, and they're talking to Will, and they're like, Becky wants to join the Glee Club. And Becky says, I can't really sing, but neither can most kids in the Glee Club. And when Will asks <laughs> why, we find out that Sue kicked Becky off the Cheerios that morning. And mm-hmm. the, I, I disagree with this plot entirely for two reasons. But let me scooch ahead to why. So, okay, mm-hmm. so Will says, uh, we'd love to have you next year, Becky, but we're d- d- almost ready for nationals. Uh, we don't, I don't know if there's a spot for you right now, so sorry, bye. And then he storms up to Sue and he's like, how dare you fire Becky? Because she, she did, she fired her. How dare you fire Becky? Uh, mm-hmm. She has been loyal to you for this entire time, and she's done nothing but sing your praises and do your bidding, and how can we, you be so cruel as to take mm-hmm. this away from her? And then Sue's like, I'm going to stop you right there. Becky reminds me of my sister Jean, and Jean is now dead. And now I can't deal with anything. Uh, Goodbye. Yep. Now, 
If Sue Sylvester was a real person, I know she's a cartoon character, but if Sue Sylvester was a real person, <laughs> she would not have fired Becky because she reminds her of her sister. She would have doubled down on protecting Becky because she reminds her of her sister. Yep. Yeah. Like, th- use, th- think, like think like a human being, Ryan. Also. <laughs> but also, yeah. okay. But if, if we were to continue with this plot point of Becky has been fired and is now seeking solace by joining the Glee Club... Because she just wants to belong. Will, Mm -hmm. as both a human being and a person who exists in Glee, where events have occurred in the past, he should have said yes because he, when they were down a member, he just like roped Jacob into joining the Glee Club and said, just stand in the background and sway, don't sing. And so he easily could have done that with Becky. He he could have been like, Becky, you come with us to New York and all you have to do is dance in this section of the stage. If you're worried about looking weird, that's okay. We got people in front of you. It's fine. Mm-hmm. It's great. Mm-hmm. And also, yeah. then we'll have 14 members, so it's not bad luck. <laughs> this is just Tanner speaking. Yeah, yeah. So, th- stupid. It's, it's, all, it's all stupid. And this, this kind of discolored part of me, yeah. the episode for me at the start. The, the, the plot should have been Sue is being hyper-protective of Becky, and Becky's sick of it. <laughs> yeah. It, it would have been interesting to see Sue be smothering Becky in, like, protection and, like, care and stuff. <laughs> And then have Becky be like, look, I liked our relationship better when I was your co-conspirator. Yeah. I want to note real quick that Becky's mom is played by Carrie Coleman, um, who is an actress who has been on Veronica Mars and was Gwen Stacy's mom in The Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2, which is, I think, where I know her from. Okay. But yeah. Yeah. Will tries to comfort Sue after she tells him, like, that her sister got pneumonia and passed and, like... Sue was spending every minute with Jean and then Jean said it's okay you can like you can go home and like sent her home for the night and then Jean passed in the middle of the night and like it's got me feeling some kind of a way yeah like the the actual Becky stuff aside this scene is actually good and Jane Lynch is doing real good acting here she talks about how yes like when Jean was born the life expectancy for people with down syndrome was rarely like 30 like that was the most optimistic uh, and then uh-huh. she turned 30, and then she turned 35, etc. And Sue was just starting to think after she turned 50 that they could grow old together, and then this happened. Yeah. And Will tries to comfort her, and she's like, Actually, leave me alone, please. And for once in his life, Will Schuster listens and leaves. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways, now part of the other episode. This is truly two episodes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Rachel monologues about how powerful she is in comparison to two years ago. Like, she didn't have bangs and she'd never kissed a boy and stuff like that. Uh, and so she signs oh, up. Oh, Because, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, she signs up because we forgot to mention that in the plausible deniability of fairness, they're having everyone in Glee who wants to be the featured soloist audition. Yeah. And so it's Santana, Mercedes, Kurt, and now Rachel has signed up and she puts the gold star just like usual. Just like in the first season. Yep. Uh, then Finn walks by and Rachel's like, you haven't signed up yet. And Finn's like, I'm not going to pick it because Jesse doesn't like me. Also, I'm not as good as any of you guys. I'm Lima good. I'm not New York good. Yeah. He says something like, I've been trying so hard to be better at singing and dancing. And being naked by Jesse has just totally shot my confidence. Yeah. <laughs> Which was already fragile to begin with. Yeah. He is a teenager, after all. He, he is a teen. The character of Finn is a teen. <laughs> yes. Speaking of not not speaking not speaking of teens, in fact, speaking of adults, uh, we cut to Emma emptying Will's closet with the declaration, "Wow, that's a lot of vests." 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because apparently he is indeed going to New York to help out April Rhodes with her autobiographical musical performance. And he says, oh, I don't think it's going to go for... I think it's going to be a pretty short run, so I'll be back by the end of the summer. But in the meantime, I'm packing up my apartment. And they go through his vest and it's like, oh, this is the first one that I wore on our first day of Glee Club. And Emma's kind of white fanging him this whole scene. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she's like, you gotta give up on the vests and go follow your dreams because we've decided to commit to this plot point for the next, these last few episodes of the season, even though Uh it's... It's mentioned with so little fanfare that you legitimately forget that it's a thing they're considering until they bring it up. Yeah, I like I I don't know if I just didn't comprehend the fact that apparently he was deciding to go to New York for April's show or if they just never mentioned that he decided to go. <laughs> well, I don't think they ever did mention that he decided. How things developed was that April was brought in to start the rumor that Will was leaving. And then the kids mm-hmm. are like, Will, we had heard rumor that you were leaving. And Will's like, that's not important right now. Sam is homeless. And then in the prom episode, Sue was like, is Will going to Broadway? And Figgins like, shut the fuck up. You have to sing a prom. And now this episode, we're just like, I guess Will's going to New York to be on Broadway. <sighs> I mean, I guess. I guess. <laughs> Anyways, Will remembers which vest he was wearing with Emma. So maybe he does need to join a 12-step program. Uh, ping-ponging back to the other plot, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> we then cut to Sue's office, where Kurt and Finn come in with stuffed animals and a little flower arrangement, and they're like, hey, we heard about your sister, and we're very sorry, Coach Sylvester. And she has this long dialogue about, like, like why are you here? And they're like, well, we both have experienced grief and the after effects of grief and surviving grief and stuff we don't know people yeah yeah and it it, it's like sue has kind of like survivor's guilt like my sister is so much of a better person than i am and i'm so mean why am i still here why is she not still here and she's not handling any of her grief well (laughs) and she kind of just tells him to get out although i do really like it because it seems like kurt and finn kind of like decided to go bring stuff to Sue on their own volition, which I think is very kind of both of them. Yeah. Good boys. Mm-hmm. But Finn and Kurt, they, they see how stressed and freaked out Sue is over all this, and so they want to help plan Jean's funeral. And so in the next scene, they're, they like suggest this to the club, and they're mm-hmm. like, why mm-hmm. would we do that? Miss Sylvester is a terrible person. And they're like, yeah, but Jean wasn't. And she's she's just like us. She she was an outsider all her life, just like us, because we're all minorities, because we're in Glee Club. Uh, but that should be celebrated. And like, uh, you got, I get, I'm picking up what you're putting down, Finn. Mm-hmm. And also, it's the right thing to do. Yeah. And just like, y'all, people die every day, but you can't let death put your life on hold. And I want to grab Jesse by his shitty lapels and say, "This is this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to help Stu, Sue. Eh, we're trying to help Sue stop putting her life on hold by planning the funeral for her." It's like trying to beat empathy into Jesse say James is a fruitless endeavor, and they. I don't think they should keep trying to do it. Yes, like, sir, the purpose of grieving is to help you move on, not to get hung up mm-hmm. on stuff. And and mm-hmm. I. <laughs> Jesse does not know any dead people. No, he does not. He 
I was going to say something really dark and I decided against it. <laughs> He's a sociopath? Um, no, I was going to say, like, Jesse doesn't care enough about other people to notice when other people are grieving. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I've joked about how I have to work overtime to redeem Rachel in my fanfic, but oh, I'm going to have to do even more to redeem Jesse, I think. Yeah. He also mentioned if somebody dies during a performance in Vocal Adrenaline, they just use them as a prop like Weekend at Bernie's. But Finn is like, you said you wanted me to be a leader, so I'm going to be a leader. We are going to help Coach Sylvester. We are going to take care of planning Jean's funeral for her. And every student in New Directions agrees, probably because either they want to help Coach Sylvester or they want to respect Jean's memory, or maybe also they just want to spite Jesse. Yeah. And also, I genuinely did not realize that Will was sitting with the kids because my eyes just kind of glazed over him. <laughs> Also, just going back to how Becky should have been allowed in Glee Club, can you imagine if Becky was there to back Finn up and basically threatened to kick Jesse in the shins if he dared to stop a funeral for Dean? Now I'm just picturing Becky just beating him with her megaphone. She throws a xylophone at it's him. It's delightful. <laughs> oh no, we haven't reached the Becky versus xylophone era yet. Oh, I'm so excited for that. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> But yeah, so continuing on this train of thought after the commercial, mm -hmm. Will is like, uh, Sue, I heard that Kurt and Finn are helping you plan a funeral and helping to clean out Jean's room at her the care home. And Sue is like, yeah, that's the only reason I let them help me was so that they could do that for me. Uh, they, they need <laughs> more exercise. Yeah. Well, Will is like, Sue, you can lean on me if you need to. And she's like, I wouldn't dare. If there's so much grease in your hair, I'd slide right off. And that's basically <laughs> the scene. It's just Sue continuing to be like, I can't, I don't know how to deal with emotions because I'm the villain. Yeah. Ping pong. Time for the other plot. Yeah, time for, oh, this this chunk of the plot that lasts for a full ten minutes. Yeah. So Jesse, he took a class on reality television judging at the University of Los Angeles in Los Angeles, and so he knows how to give advice that's both blistering and unhelpful. And Will is like, why did I sign up for this? Uh, it doesn't matter. I'm a sister. Yeah. And then we actually get, like, two songs in a row, and then a very short scene, and then two more songs. Well, not even a short... It's, it's two songs in a row, and then a commercial, and then two songs uh -huh. in a row. It's basically... I, I consider this whole chunk the same scene. And it doesn't yeah, stop. Yeah. And it drags on longer yeah. than a regional set list. Anyways. Yeah. Audition time. Santana's gonna sing Back to Black. And it's good. Mm -hmm. It's very good. Because it's Amy Winehouse and it's Santana. It's so nice to hear alto range. <laughs> <laughs> the altos have been deprived for so long. I am an alto. Yeah. She sing it real good. And then when she finishes, mm -hmm. Jesse is like, thank you for your time. Yeah. And Satana's like, what the fuck? That's all you have? I saw you scribbling on your notepad the entire time. And Jesse's like... <laughs> he drew a cat. <laughs> yeah, he just drew like a shitty cat. But then he's like, well, if you want my expert opinion, I feel like you didn't live up to the emotional truth of that, that song and Amy Winehouse's experience. And then Je yeah. uh, Santana's like, I'm about to go all Lima Heights on you. And she storms out. Yeah, I, I feel like they should have let Naya Rivera do some choreography to show off her it's dancing really skills. It's not a choreography song, though. It's not, but she could have done. She could have done something more than just like standing there with her mic stand. Like they, move move around a little bit. I think they made a point of giving everyone a ballad and also 
no one really had songs that stand out that much, I'm sorry to say, except Back to Black, and I think that's just because of the tour de force of Naya Rivera. I think they were trying to say, oh, Jesse's biased because he picked Rachel, even though everyone was good. And in my opinion, there is a clear winner because I'm biased and homosexual. But... (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I also have a clear winner, but we can get to that at the end of the slate of audition pieces. (laughs) I think what they were attempting to do was say everyone's on even ground, and they accomplished that by saying everyone's songs were just kind of (laughs) there. And they they slide off of you like a smooth shark or a sue off of a will. (laughs) Yeah. But we immediately have Kurt come on stage, and he's singing uh, Uh um, Some People from the the Uh Mama Rose play. From an American fable. Exactly. And it's kind of a reprise, because, like, I had a dream, I dreamed it for you, bomb. Because he Uh can't do the uh, pertinent lyrical changes, because Jesse is not his dad. Uh, Also, the song begins with a loving shot of Kurt's ass. See, I thought it was more so that they were trying to highlight the weird vest that he has on, which is corset-laced and backless. I think they were trying to highlight his ass. <laughs> Look, we have different priorities. Hey, no, I'm I'm not trying to simp for Chris Colfer here. I'm just saying, I, I, I was typing my notes. I was like, here's what happened for Santana's song. I turned, and there's just staring directly at the cheeks. <laughs> They're gyrating. There is a pan up from the bottom and a, a noticeable pause before it continues up. <laughs> so I am, I am not simping for Chris Colfer, but somebody was. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. <laughs> he does some basic choreography, but it's more like stage choreography than show choir choreography, if that makes sense. And apparently Chris Colfer did his own choreography for this. That doesn't like, surprise he, me. He planned it's, out all his moves. It's it's very Chrissy in, in the movements. Yeah, he does a big high kick on, hey LA, I'm coming your way. Yep. We just do a kick. And Jesse's like, Kurt, you know that's a song by a woman, right? <laughs> Do you know that's a girl song? And Kurt's like, yeah, we did that last season. Catch up, dude. Women? In my glee club? Homosexuals? <laughs> it's more likely than you think. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, well, I don't think you lived up to the, the power of burned at Peter's. And Kurt's like, fuck you. And then he storms off, and Jesse turns to Will. Yeah. It's like, no, normally in a reality TV show, this is when we would yeah. uh, take five to touch up our makeup. Uh, also, yeah. by the way, I think you should really feel free to uh, speak up more. Yeah, and then Jesse calls his own commercial sign. Yeah. I think that is actually one of my favorite things in any kind of show, is when someone says that this is when they would cut to commercial, and then they do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> We cut back and it's the four auditionees. So Kurt, Santana, Mercedes, and Rachel. And Kurt storms in. He's like, Jesse St. James, Jesse St. sucks. And Rachel's like, now, now, we all must approach Jesse with an open heart. Because we all know he's going to choose me for the song. And something about like, oh, you're saying that because you're in love with him. She's like, I am not. And Kurt says, you had feelings for him. He made breakfast on your head. Yep. I just love how they will not let the fact that Rachel got egged go. Yeah. It was very much, would you like a trying egg in this nice time? <laughs> and then Mercedes, like, it's it's my time to audition. and Don't even bother warming up, Rachel, because I'm going to smite you like the hand of God or something. <laughs> going to nuke you from orbit. Excellent. So Mercedes gets to do her audition piece. 
she is singing Try a Little Tenderness. And my note here is, it's too good to be used for a show choir competition. Because she kills it. It's good. Even Jesse Saint, even Jesse Saint sucks is impressed. <laughs> can I be controversial? As long as you're not saying that she sucks, she, she doesn't suck. It is not a bad song. It is a good song. And you will like if you watch the song, you will note that both Will and Jesse are visibly impressed. But I mm-hmm. was underwhelmed because it's just a Mercedes song, and this is no shade on Amber Riley, but it's like it's not anything special. It's nothing that we haven't seen before from Mercedes or from Amber Riley. And I really get the sense that they're like, all right, what's what's the Merce- you know, what's the most Mercedes song that we can get? Just get it in here and get it out of the way. You know, that's that's fair. It's very much the kind of song where it's like in her corner. And I'm comparing this to in season one and I'm telling you. Yeah. Because like leading up to that, like Mercedes had not really gotten any kind of ballads or big emotional numbers and also like the way that it was staged like it was very much so shown as like mercedes breaking out of her maybe not her comfort zone but like breaking out of like the types of songs and parts of the music that she'd been required to sing beforehand but now it's like mercedes got to do a ballad like four episodes ago so it's not as it's not as like groundbreaking as it was last season it's yeah. still great. It's it's it's, it's a good just... song. It's just it's lackluster for me. It's lackluster in comparison to the other songs that she has sung in this season. I can understand that. So this is a roundabout way of me continuing to shade the writers. <laughs> yes, yes, keep shading the writers. Speaking of shading the writers, when when she finishes singing, Jesse is like, "I think your choreography wasn't good, and you're not good enough to be a star because you're lazy and you don't practice." And my note here is, she should have beaten him with the mic stand. Yeah, she does take it with her. She drags it away with her. Yeah, and <laughs> she walks off the stage and past Rachel. She mutters, "I hate this guy." <laughs> <laughs> now I will, I will give Will one. We've we've been giving Will more props than expected, even though he is a pansy ass idiot bastard man in this episode. But he does say <laughs> Mercedes, that was amazing. This song reminded me of when you first auditioned and how much you have grown since then. And I agree with half that statement, as per the, the thing I just said before. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's I think that's a, it, it doesn't really showcase her growth the way they claim it does. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, and then Jesse nags her. But also, again, these none of these songs are songs that really lend themselves well to choreography of beyond just like vibing to it from one end of the stage to the other. Yeah, I'm not gonna sing this song and then halfway through break out into a stepping performance. <laughs> yeah. If she was doing some kind of Beyonce, if she if she was pulling out like Countdown or something, then I'd be like, yeah, you could have benefited from choreography. But but this is this is a song where you you stand there and you maybe you do like a big tip lean into the microphone as you go for it, and she does do that, and that's as much as you need to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyways, time for the most lackluster song of them all. Yeah. Rachel walks out at her Rachel Berryist. And she's mm-hmm. like, I'm going to be singing the most difficult song I've ever sang in my life. It's from Funny Girl. And the, the, song, is, the song is My Man. And Jesse leans in real close to the microphone. And he's like, hey, Rachel, are you singing the song about anybody in particular? And she's like, no. And she immediately thinks of Finn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I want to note that when we get this, like, very charming pan of it's like, oh, hey. <laughs> it's like, point of view. You are walking in the hallway and Finn Hudson notices you and smiles at you. <laughs> <laughs> there is a poster for Nessie Club behind Finn. Yes, that was 
Not only did I note that down, but I remembered spotting that the first time I watched this episode because I sure as shit didn't care about the songs they were singing. I was like, Nessie Club! Mm-hmm. Oh, I love Nessie Club. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, while Rachel was singing, the other three showed up to watch the performance, and at the end of it, Kurt is like, Ah, oh, what a fucking bitch, but she can sing. Bravo, bravo! And then I think it was Mercedes who just yanks him back to sitting. Yeah. Like, during the performance... Rachel kept tensing her shoulders and, like, kind of, like, turtling her neck, that kind of a thing, and then, like, flopping her head around on her neck like she was a rag doll. and I'm like, Rachel, honey. I didn't notice because I skipped because I, I couldn't be bothered. After the Finn Imagine spot, I was just like, badoop, 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 done. Oh, yeah. I, w- I was playing Pokemon Go. <laughs> so, <laughs> look, I've already caught, like, seven shiny Sveal today. <laughs> Hell yeah. So... Jesse is like, no notes. And Mercedes is like, fuck this, it's obviously rigged. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Will is like, now everybody, I need you to calm down because I am going to deliberate for a couple of days and I will tell you by Friday. That's when we're gonna get down. What? The song from last from last time. Oh! <laughs> forced joke is forced. <laughs> I forgot the lyrics out of context. <laughs> But yeah, so anyways, now we're done for this section of the plot until we reach the end of the episode. So. Mm-hmm. I'm already like two thirds of the way through my notes. <laughs> so Kurt and Finn are sorting through Jean's things and they're like, we, we have a pile of stuff you want to keep, pile of stuff you want to donate, and pile of stuff you can throw out. Uh, and Sue is like, no, I can't handle this. Throw everything out. It's like nothing matters except for this one stuffed toy that Jean slept with every night. I have no shortage of memories of my sister. And the only mm-hmm. reason she asked the Glee Club to plan the funeral is because she didn't think anybody would come. Yeah. And they're like, do you even want us to throw away, like, the photo albums and stuff of the two of you together? And she calls Finn cottage cheese. <laughs> <laughs> and they're also like, ooh, look, a copy of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Mm-hmm. I left out several letters from those words. <laughs> it's okay, you can do a second take, it's podcasting. Will's Wonkos and the Choco Fackums. <laughs> Episode title. <laughs> Just call New Directions Will's Wonkos. <laughs> They're in direct competition with Floops Fooglies. <laughs> hey, sorry, sorry. Completely random aside, but I think Robert Rodriguez directing a remake of Chocolate Factory would slap. Robert Rodriguez isn't the Spy Kids guy? Yeah. You know, probably. Like Tim Burton Hoomst. Yeah, yeah. Anyways... <laughs> And then it's, it's time for the service. <laughs> yeah, because Sue stormed out of the at the scene, and Kurt and Finn are like, concerned, look. And then after the commercial, I assume it's a commercial break, but we're, yeah, mm-hmm. now we're at the actual service. Will is mm-hmm. there, and Sue's there, and she's like, I, I still don't understand why you're helping me. Although Jean did always try and defend you when I complained to her about your evil, evil hair. Yeah, like we see a shot of Sue in her car before she gets out and like the cover of the program for her service has a picture of her and Jean with like Jean cheering with her Cheerios pom-poms and stuff. And she walks up to Will and she's like, did anybody come? And he's like, it is a full house. Like there are people from Jean's care home, both staff and 
Uh, workers from the home, other residents, their families. Yes. And he's like, Gene touched a lot of people. It's very true to life, because I remember when my grandmother passed away, like a good chunk of the people, I mean, okay, there was a lot of people at the service because she was around a while and everybody loved her. But a good chunk mm-hmm. of the people were the residents of the care facility she was at, like all, a lot of the nurses and the people who worked with her. And like some of the, a few of the residents who were able to leave for a little bit, they came to the service and then they weren't able to stick around for the wake because they were in the same kind of mentally not quite there as grandma was at that point. Uh, but there's also a lot of families mm-hmm. who came up to us and like my grandma or my aunt or whatever was in the same care facility as her grandma and like I would visit with her sometimes when they were together and she was always so wonderful to hang out with. So this is very true to life. Yeah, yeah. And then when they get in, like, yeah, they see not only all the people, but also the Glee Club has recreated, like, a Willy Wonka situation around the casket, like a chocolate fountain and cotton candy and a bunch of mushrooms and stuff. This is the part where I started crying. Fair. And Kurt and Finn walk up to Sue and they're like, hey, yeah, we we remember how you said that Willy Wonka was her favorite movie, so we did the best. Uh, We hope Jean would have liked it. And Sue's like, yeah, she would have loved it. And then the pastor walks up and Mm -hmm. he's like, this is the most unusual service I've ever been to, and Gene was an unusual person, and hey, fuck you, guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait, wait to completely ruin the vibe, just walking up to the podium saying, what a weird fucking funeral for a freak like Gene, anyways. Yeah, yeah, that, that rubbed me the wrong way, too. <laughs> I'm laughing because it's so, like, Ryan Murphy, have you ever been to a funeral? No. And also, like, the priest is wearing black clerics and, like, a clerical collar and stuff, which is, like, what Catholic people wear? Or Catholic priests wear? Jean Sylvester has become Catholic. I mean, look, if she wants to, more power to her. I think it's more likely they were just like, eh, we need someone in a priest costume. What kind of priest costumes we got? Yeah, I mean, he he does say that Jean came to his service, and in Girl Jesus, Jean does say that she, like, is still religious and prays for Sue and stuff like that. So it's not out of the ordinary to have some kind of religious figure there, but like... Yeah, yeah, it's just like... Dick move. Yeah, yeah, dick move. But he he pulls Sue up to give a eulogy, and she can only get through the first sentence before she starts crying. So Will goes up to read the rest for her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's a very sweet eulogy. Mm-hmm. I was still crying. So the only part that I wrote down was, the only thing that keeps me from being swallowed by sadness is that Jean would kill me if I did. <laughs> yeah. And then the club sing Pure Imagination. Mm-hmm. And like, we get to hear little solos from Kurt, Finn, Tina, and Artie. And it's all being played over a montage of pictures fr- and like photos from Jean's life and stuff. Yeah, they pull out a slideshow to play while this is happening. Mm-hmm. And it's very, it's very, very nice. Yeah, it's a good service. Mm-hmm. Anyways, now for a real stupid thing that I'm pretty sure was supposed to happen last episode. Yeah. So Quinn joins Finn in the car and she's like, sorry, I was late. All the ladies were touching up their makeup in the bathroom. And Finn start, she tells Finn he was doing a great job. And Finn's like, I'm breaking up with you. Yeah. And he's like, there was this whole part in Sue's eulogy about being tethered and being connected to her sister. And once her sister was passed, it's like she knew she wouldn't be able to reach out like to that tether and like feel her sister there anymore and stuff. And Finn is like, I don't feel that kind of tether with you anymore. And Quinn is like, is this about Rachel? (laughs) And he's like, maybe, but no. And he accuses Quinn. He says, like, don't you feel anything anymore? And I'm like, yeah, come on, bro. Quinn has had postpartum depression for the last year and a half. Very, very small mini school in Finn's defense. 
But nobody noticed Quinn's postpartum depression, and also Finn's an idiot. But still, come, bro, you don't break up with someone at a funeral, unless they do a dick move at the funeral. Yeah, it's the kind of thing where it's like, I feel like this is something where it's like, the thought has kind of been percolating in Finn's head for a while, and it's just like, this is, hearing Sue's eulogy was what incentivized him to actually do something about it. His timing is terrible. Yeah, like, at the very least, wait until you guys are back at school. Yeah. Or, like, not even back at school. Like, wait until you're dropping her off at her house or something. But, yeah. But, yeah. Because Quinn is like, you know what? I can live with you having a crush on Rachel. We'll deal with this and you'll get over it. And then next year we'll try for prom king and queen again. And this is when Finn drops the don't you feel anything line anymore. And Quinn immediately starts crying at this. And Finn's like, no, wait, never mind. I still love you. And she's like, no, fuck you. And she leaves. Yeah. Apparently, they filmed a scene about quitting Glee. But it was only used in the promos for this episode because it was never in the actual episode proper. Yeah. I don't know if it was here or if it was somewhere else in the episode, but this is where I put it in my notes. <laughs> like, this is the only thing Quinn does in this episode other than tell Finn not to do a duet with Rachel. So if they yeah. put something else in the- and this episode is so lacking in things other than the competent- they, they should have- Jesse, goodbye. Goodbye, Jesse. And then the, that section of the plot should have been Finn debating whether he should end things with Quinn or not. And Quinn saying, if you mm -hmm. end things with me, then I have no reason to stay. Something like that. You know what? There could have been a scene with Finn and Kurt talking about Finn's feelings. <laughs> or Finn and Bert. Or Finn and Carol. Or they could have had Sue say that tether line earlier, like outside of mm -hmm. the eulogy, and then Finn could have done something. She could have said it to Kurt and Finn while they were in her office, expressing yeah. their sympathies. Yeah, and that's what gets Finn thinking. Mm-hmm. Anyways, <laughs> speaking of stupid plots, let's wrap up the audition thing. Yeah. Or almost wrap it up. Mm-hmm. So Brittany is recording Jesse and Will's confessional. For some reason. Yeah, I think it's just so that she can have the line to Jesse, maybe you could come onto fondue for two and judge my cat. Yeah. Jesse says, Santana is too mean. Kurt, too controversial. Mercedes, lazy bones. Rachel is the star and she's gonna win. And Will's like, I'm not comfortable and having this conversation on video. Yeah. He says that he feels like this whole situation is telling one of his children that they're his favorite. And Jesse's like, good, that's what my parents did. Sure, it may have led to my brother's whippet addiction and my sister's bulimia, but they owed them the truth, probably. <sighs> Egotist. Yes. And then this is where in my notes I just say, Will is a fucking pushover. Mm-hmm. Pushover pansy-ass baby idiot man. <laughs> so. Yeah. Becky returns to Sue's office and she's like, here's my pom-poms and megaphone. Here here's my gun and my badge. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, Becky, I'm gonna stop you there. I only fired you because of menopause. Which is like, okay, come on, come on, Sue. At least do Becky the dignity of telling her that Jean passed away. Yeah. Um, but it's Sue Sylvester and she has taken her emotions and put them in a tiny box and then put that in a tinier box and hidden them away inside a corner of her heart. <laughs> yep. She put it in an egg in a chest in the stomach of a bear. And the only way you can track it down if you find the house of Baba Yaga. <laughs> yep. I think the Glee reboot should feature Baba Yaga. <laughs> you know, just for flavor. Baba Yaga is Sue's mother. <laughs> So Carol Burnett would be playing Baba Yaga is what I'm saying. I would love Carol Burnett to play Baba Yaga. That would be so fun. Uh, I feel like we've said her name too many times. She's going to show up in our sleep now. Who, Carol Burnett? Yes. <laughs> 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 but yeah, Sue declares that, Becky, you're not only back on the Cheerios, next year you're going to be captain. And Becky's like, oh, I'm going to go call my mom. Thank you so much. And then Sue's like, wait, 
I want you to give me a hug. And she gets a hug from Becky, and Becky holds her really tight, and I think that Becky at least understands understands what's going on in the situation, even if Sue has not actualized it. <laughs> yeah, so it would have been better in my version. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then in the following scene, Sue goes up to Will, uh, and she mm-hmm. says good luck to him, uh, which is maybe why, yeah. spoiler alert, but maybe why, that's why they fucking bomb at Nationals. <laughs> She specifically says, In the history of our relationship, I've said many things to you, but there's one thing I've never said. Good luck. And then she says, William, you remind me of my sister in one way. Uh, You both have a good heart. And I'm like, "Eh, does he though? Yeah. And she says, I've decided to give up on my vendetta for you because I'm going to be running for the U.S. House of Representatives. My campaign is going to be based on better medical care for citizens of Ohio. Yeah. And also, like, elder care, like, facility care and stuff. Yeah. And so Will does a spit take, but he's like, okay, thanks for that. And then Sue is like, one more thing. I was going to have your Glee Club murdered, an international scandal, but I decided not to. And then Terry comes in and Sue bounces because now shit got awkward. Yeah. And it turns out that after their whole stunt with getting the Glee Club's flights routed to Libya, Terry complained to American Airlines of catching monkeypox in one of their bathrooms. <laughs> Which is a lie, because their bathrooms are immaculate. <laughs> yes. And then she told the president of American Airlines the sob story of Will's Glee Club, and apparently he comped their entire club first-class airline tickets. And he says, like, well, what's the catch? And she's like, well... I'm moving to Miami to manage a new sheets and things, and I wanted some closure before I left. <laughs> yeah, and they, they agree that they they loved each other at some point, but it was just, they weren't right for each other in the time they had together. And Will says, Terry, try to relax. <laughs> yeah, and then in something that I think they were trying to make symbolic, Will turns and leaves Terry in the dust, and then, oh, hey, guess who walks out from, from an adjoining hallway? Surprise, it's Emma, and she's wearing one of Will's vests. Yeah, she's wearing the one that he had on when he met her. So, you know, that's cool and platonic. Yeah. Also, so just before Terry leaves, she gives Will a look that's like some kind of mix of regret and something. And I don't know if Jessalyn Gilsig was just making an acting choice or if this was the direction, but it's like, what did this mean? Was this just parting words regret? Did did she f- feel, did she still carry a torch for Will even though she knew she'd never see him again? Was this hinting that maybe she would return next season? Because she doesn't, but like, at this point, who knows? They probably didn't even know what they were doing next season. I feel like it was probably that Terry was like, damn, that, that still didn't work to get back with Will. <laughs> Gotta try next time. Damn, this is, Katy Perry was right. That guy really do be the one that got away. <laughs> Yeah. And then Emma keeps white-fanging Will. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, oh, well, I hope that my going to New York to be in the April Road story isn't forever. And she's like, yeah, well, you kind of got to accept the possibility that it could be forever. And she's like, don't be a stranger. And then platonically kisses him on the cheek and walks away in tears, leaving Will behind in the absolute baggiest pair of khakis I've ever seen on an actor. <laughs> They literally just, like, cut to the wide shot as Emma was walking away in tears. And I was like, why are his pants so baggy? They look like they put him in a pair of pants that is, like, at least two sizes too big. I, I don't know. I, 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 have no, I have no justification. I don't know either. It was just something that I noticed and that was bugging me. And also, I haven't- I forgot to talk about it earlier, but since we just talked about airplanes and stuff, 
they're flying. How much money do they have that they are flying to New York City? Like, when my choir program, not show choir, but regular choir program, went to New York City, it was my senior year of high school, and we were on a bus. Actually, we were on three buses for over 20 hours straight. <laughs> Ugh. Like, what? Maybe it's because they only, they're only taking uh, 14 people, and maybe it's because Terry got those free tickets and stuff, but like, how much money do they make? They could have been hiring, like, actual clinicians or something. It's possible that uh, the money is from the Cheerios budget. <sighs> I mean, I guess, but, like... That's the only thing I can think of. Don't, don't question the economics of Glee. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Time for a cop-out. <laughs> yeah, Rachel's in the auditorium, and she uh, knows that Jesse's approaching because she recognizes the masculine click of his designer boots. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he tells her that he really came back to right wrongs and give Rachel a feature silhouette nationals in New York and also get back together with her. And Rachel's like, but everyone will hate me. And Jesse's like, they already do. And she's like, okay. Yeah, the way I wrote it was everybody hates you anyway. Why not be a soloist about it? Yeah. And then they kiss. Yeah. And then we see Finn walk in from the back of the auditorium and see them kissing. And turns out that he had brought Rachel a single tulip. And he's like, oh, man, I'm Finn. Yeah. So then we cut to Kurt and Mercedes and Santana looking at the, the bulletin board. And they're kind of in shock. And Rachel comes up and she's like, guys, I know it was a wild decision, but please understand. And then they're like, uh, honey, I don't think you understand what's been posted here. And it's not a name. It's not the name of Rachel Berry. It just says urgent meeting in the choir room now. Yeah. And so they go there. And and Will is like, we have to get back to the the club we were before and work together. Remember when we've had 17 separate episodes of working together? Well, here's the 18th one. Work together, you fuckers. Yeah. And he's like, so we're gonna we're still gonna do original songs, but they're just gonna be ensemble numbers, which means Rachel will probably still get a solo. It just won't be a lead. Yeah. Kurt and Santana were sniping at each other before Will said work together, and now they're like, okay, fine, I guess you were actually decent. Yeah, it's like, as soon as Will says there are no solos for you to compete for, everyone starts complimenting each other. And then Will produces that damn stack of rhyming dictionaries again. Also, Santana says that even Rachel was good, and Rachel says, oh, but Santana, I wish I sounded like you. How do you get that raspiness? <laughs> I smoke cigars. <laughs> yeah, so hey, remember, remember a few episodes ago when we said kids don't smoke? Well, actually, unless you want to sound like Santana. Oh boy. But yeah, Will pulls out the fucking rhyming dictionary and says, I want two hit songs by the time wheels touch down at JFK. Ha! You need it sooner, Will. Ha. Ha ha. Ha ha. Ha ha. Ha ha. Ha I can't sing it while laughing, but I know the, I know the shit post that you're talking about. <laughs> we finished the episode with Finn turning around and singing like, Hey, Quinn, I know you're suffering right now, but thanks for staying with Glee Club. And she's like, it's okay. I'm staying with Glee Club because if I quit, then all of my big plans in New York would have been ruined. And I'm like, what plans? And the writers were also like, what plans? And Ryan's like, I don't know. You're gonna have to wait and see. Quinn is like, I've got plans. Like, colon three face, like, like the hmm <laughs> face. And I'm like, what plans? Are you, are you going to drive Santana to her lesbian commune in Tribeca or whatever? <laughs> are you planning on just 
completely abandoning the glee club as a junior and it living in a tenement or something and trying to start your own production of rent <laughs> she has so many tangled irons in the fire yeah so many tangled irons that it's just a big puddle of slag at this point <laughs> that was such a weird way to end the episode that's, that's how it ends she's just like you'll never know and ba 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 yeah you'll never know what plans i have neither will i <laughs> okay Christina. Yeah, shoot. Gold star song. Uh, true imagination. Do you mean pure imagination? Pure imagination. Thank you. I'm a sucker and it made me cry. Mine was back to black. <laughs> That's also valid. Because it was, it was good. It was the song that made me go, yeah. Now the other songs made me go, okay. Yeah. Honestly, like the only number that I would have been concerned about you putting as your gold star would have been my, my man. man. Yeah. More like by man. You know what? Actually, you know what? Going for it, I would decide to simp for Rachel Berry. Oh no, Tanner's been body snatched! <laughs> Quick, let me call Ryan and Lindsay to stage an intervention. I'm standing her. I'm making a fan cam as we speak. Oh no. Just <laughs> feel like everybody else who just throws all of their fan cams in the replies of out of context Glee's tweets. <laughs> this is the point where I remind the, uh, the the people that if I ever give Rachel a gold star in anything, it's usually in spite of her. Yeah, yeah. How about your gold star? Uh, I think my gold star moment has to be Kurt and Finn being good boys. Yes. You know what? I'm going to give that to them too, just because we don't get to see a lot of them together. Mm-hmm. Actually, now I'm like, should I give it to like the legitimate drama and how they handled the grieving process, which actually was like semi-decent? I'm conflicted. I don't know, because I don't know if they did handle the grieving process. I think by handling it, do you mean they said you should grieve? Like, they didn't really go in depth about, uh, like, what it means to grieve for someone. Yeah. I'll leave it at Kurt and Finn, good boys. Yeah. Like, the honorable mention, of course, is basically any of the Sue and Jean moments. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. the Sue-logy especially was real good. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, I forgot to mention, but Jane Lynch submitted this episode to be nominated for Outstanding Supporting Actress in a Comedy Series. I don't think she won, but it's a good sample. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Maybe not of, like, comedy work, but it's a good it's a good acting sample. It is funny how so many... I like. I don't know if it's true for other comedy people, but whenever we like, we heard word of the Glee cast members submitting episodes for like their best actor or best supporting ones, like in a comedy. It was never them being funny. It was always their more dramatic episodes. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like that's part of the thing that maybe was like causing Glee's not their downfall, but their like like part of the reason why they maybe didn't win as many awards as they could have is because Glee never decided what tone it wanted to be. If they wanted to have it be a musical, or if they wanted to have it be a comedy, or if they wanted it to be a drama, they never decided and that screwed them over. <laughs> also, sometimes it wasn't very good. I don't think that matters totally. I mean, okay, sure, they had tone issues, but I don't think that matters. I think it's just showing a flaw in the Emmy process that they have things split so firmly between dramas and comedies. That's true, that's true. Like, you you should be able to say dramatic performance and comedic performance, and then, like, th- that's where you could get oh. a show, like, a drama, a show that is a dramedy, but you can have someone nominating, like, submitting an episode where they're exceptionally funny for a comedic performance, and someone from the same show, not, like, like, submitting an episode for an exceptionally dramatic performance. 
That's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> we submit this to the consideration of the Academy for the Emmys nominations. It, it's okay. They are, I'm sure they already canceled the ceremony for this year, so they got time to work on it for next year. <laughs> yeah, I, I have no... Did you hear that the Golden Globes wasn't even televised? Like, I don't even know what happened there. <laughs> yeah, I think it was that they didn't even, like, do the Golden Globes. They just said, like, oh, hey, here's the people that got nominated. Here's the one who won. You're getting your trophy yeah. in the mail. Bye. But I don't, I, I never looked into why it happened. I mean, I'm sure it's because of COVID. Actually, no, I think it was a combination of COVID and just like people pointing out the blatant racism in the voters for the Emmys. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> like the people who they allowed to vote were just so overwhelmingly undiverse. Gotcha. Speaking of things that suck, what was your worst part of the episode? Uh. Do you want me to go first? Yeah. It's the treatment of Becky. Becky could have had so yeah. much more to do and be treated with so much more respect and dignity. And it's... Yeah. It's, the, the saving grace is that at least it's not ableist, where it's very much just, like, not giving Becky the grace that she deserves in this scenario. Yeah. That's a good point. Justice for Becky. Is that yours as well? Yes. All right. Then that's been Funeral. Finally, we're done. I say finally we're done, but this is actually like I think one of our shorter recordings. <laughs> yeah, it just especially seems if long. you take out of account our tangents. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, only one more episode until we put this in the ground. But first, I just wanted to let you, you specifically, not them, you. I want you to, you to know mm -hmm. that Loser Like Me is part of the Corner Podcast Network. We can be heard on your podcasting platform of choice, and if we aren't there, let us know, and we'll work on getting there. We can be found at Loser Like Me Pod on Twitter and the, through the Loser Like Me Pod at gmail.com email address. That was bad grammar. Next time, <laughs> Christina, do you know what a frog says? Croak? It says nork nork. That's where we're headed. Uh... <laughs> I thought I thought you were going to go like, New York! Concrete jungle where dreams are made of! Or like the meme version. <laughs> Pancakes, the the, the thing where it was pancakes. a comic mishearing. Make a pickin' it, put it into pancake. Yeah, d d next next time it's New York. They go to New York, and they're in New York for the New York episode about New York. It's New York. Ah! <laughs> Is that all we have to say? I think so. Oh, we'll be back next time. But for now. And that's what you Miss, missed on Glee. That, that is what you missed on Glee. Shit, fuck, yeah. <laughs> Still, that's it. End it. Stop it. Just, Just go, go ahead, ahead and grab, grab a chair and listen now. As we riff this show, Tanner and Christina gonna figure out why we love this show. Better grab your golden stars and slushies, cause you're listening. You're listening to loser like me. Loser like me Loser like me